In the new medical world we have with electronic medical records and all sorts of concerns about drug-drug interactions and related issues in healthcare, the computers we have and using the computers as an information tool is certainly a very important aspect of healthcare. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My special guest is Dr. Shoba Fansalkar. She's the Director of Informatics and Clinical Innovation at the Clinical Drug Information Division of Walters Kluwer. She's also an assistant professor of medicine at the Division of General Medicine and Primary Care at Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. Her interests lie in the development and implementation and valuation of clinical information systems, mainly focusing on the evaluation of medication-related decision support. And if there is a hot-button issue in medicine, that certainly it is it. Getting the medications right, making sure that the patients get the ones they should when they're discharged, and all the aspects in between. Dr. Fenselker, welcome to the program. Thank you, Brian. My first question, you know, you're in a really interesting and exciting space to impact healthcare. Tell me first about what it is that excites you about um, studying and working in the area you do. I think the combination of being able to bring my clinical background, so I'm a pharmacist by training, and combine that with uh, medical informatics. My research and my training is also in medical informatics. And being able to, you know, really bring those two together in order to improve patient safety and improve patient care is what makes it so exciting. We're in a world right now where just about all the hospitals, I think now 96% of them or so, are up and running with one information system or another, one platform or another. So most of us are electronic, and we're starting to see the changes. Let's talk initially about some of the frustrations, things you haven't seen happen yet, and your hope for the future, maybe some changes that are occurring now or will be in the near future. I think it's a really exciting time, as you mentioned. You know, we're seeing this rapid adoption of EHRs, which is is really, you know, very encouraging for those of us in medical informatics. It brings together, you know, all of the things that we have been working for, which is building better patient records, but also building clinical decision support systems in order to implement within these EHRs. I think the things that I wish could have, you know, shown a little more traction or been adopted a little more rapidly is what we are seeing and what, you know, you and I have talked about, about alert fatigue. I think clinical decision support systems are now kind of in phase two mode where people are going ahead and adopting these, seeing them in EHRs, but now we need to make them better. We need to, you know, serve our population or serve our audience better by really making sure we make these resonate with our end users and enable them to, you know, fulfill the promise of improving patient care rather than becoming a burden on the provider. How important is it getting the meds right at discharge from the hospital? I mean, we live in a world now where I know a lot of our listeners, they might be hospitalists or they might be in the office. Some still work inpatient and outpatient, but with the separation, how important is it getting it right? Extremely important. I think, you know, as the old adage goes, there's many a slip between the cup and the lip. And that's exactly what happens at discharge because, you know, you have this opportunity of now sending the patient home, but you, uh, you also need to make sure that you've reconciled all their meds, that you have a good understanding of, you know, what's waiting for them in their medicine cabinet, making sure that you've provided them with the adequate amount of education to enable a patient to understand, you know, which meds to discontinue, which meds have been modified in terms of doses, 
you don't want, you know, patients to go back home and then be wondering about, you know, which meds should they be taking now or which meds may actually lead to drug-drug interactions once they come back home. And I think discharge really offers, you know, kind of the culmination of the complexity of our care because it's so fragmented. The people who you see in the ambulatory setting are very different from the ones who you see when you're admitted in a hospital. And making sure that our systems talk to each other so that, you know, we send this patient home knowing all of the information about their medication history, about their disease history, and making sure that we're able to educate them about, you know, how to take care of themselves once they step out of the hospital. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest is Dr. Shaba Fansakar, and she is the Director of Informatics and Clinical Innovation at the Clinical Drug Information Division of Walters Kluwer. Obviously, Walters Kluwer is certainly something we use at many of the medical systems for clinical decision support. How much are residents relying on these types of tools in training programs? Now, I know that they're way ahead of where we probably were when we were training. What are they doing and are they using these things? I mean, I think, Brian, you would agree that, you know, just uh, in, in your own career, you may have seen an explosion of the knowledge and explosion of the medicines that a physician has to keep in his head. You know, in addition to that, it's not easy practicing medicine today because it's not just about, you know, the drugs. You now have to be aware of all of the regulations, all of the policies that are, you know, kind of driving your practice. You know, physicians are being measured by a variety of metrics, whether they be quality metrics or, you know, regulations on which drugs they can or cannot prescribe being dictated by, you know, the the payers or the formularies that their patients are following. It's just a very complicated environment to practice medicine in. And the whole hope is that these decision support systems offer help, not just to physicians who've been in practice for a while, but to residents and medical students who are kind of coming on board and they are a ready learning tool or a reference tool for these students who will be physicians of tomorrow. As you mentioned, you know, Walters Kluver produces a bunch of referential tools. We produce drug information from Lexicom, facts and comparisons, And these are, you know, things that physicians who we've spoken with, I mean, these are things that they keep close to their heart, whether they are physicians or pharmacists. These are ready referential tools which enable them to assess, you know, which drugs to prescribe, what doses to prescribe them on, what adverse effects to be aware of or to educate the patient on. So that's kind of the hope to, you know, be a good learning guide or a ready reference for for us medical students. And when you are doing your work, what do you see as the biggest barriers, the biggest things maybe we as physicians don't do that we should do? Because, you know, you're looking at also as a pharmacist and someone who sees and tries to in some ways protect physicians from maybe not doing the right things with meds, maybe getting confused. What What do you see as the biggest barriers to getting the job done right? I think there is awareness now about, you know, my, my research primarily focuses on medication-related decision support. And I think, you know, the, the host of studies that we've done have shown that this is a very complicated problem that cannot just be looked at as, you know, a content issue. We used to think about this as, you know, go fix the knowledge base. I mean, physicians would have the liberty to say, you know, I do not want to see these alerts or go fix the knowledge base for, you know, systems that were developed in-house at academic medical centers. 
we don't have those liberties anymore. We need to rely or are required to rely on vendor-based systems. And there's a whole host of localization and customization of this software that needs to happen before it actually, you know, becomes usable and becomes available for ready use to improve patient care. And that's kind of the thing that I want to focus on in my research to be able to get us there, you know, to be able to understand what are the things missing that will enable these decision support systems to resonate with how physicians are thinking and really become decision support systems for them. Well, I, we may have discussed this before in other interviews, but I think one of the things I find very interesting was in the early stages of developing a lot of these products, it was engineers and technicians, people who certainly were the best thoughts in mind, maybe even billers and coders that did things, but not as many of the physicians and pharmacists and other clinicians got involved. The last five years, we're seeing more and more clinician involvement, and I think this is where we're starting to see strides, not just having the tools, but actually thinking more like a clinician and less exactly. like like an engineer, for instance. Not that an engineers think poorly, but it's just not the way docs do. Excellent. Excellent point, Brian, because I think, you know, as the systems become more and more mature, our awareness is drawn not just to mimicking or resonating with the end user. It's really about studying what their workflow is and trying to understand not to make the user kind of modify their behavior to meet the system, but for the system to understand the behavior or the workflow of a particular setting, of a particular provider base, and really help them reach their goals of patient care. And in addition, I think the other thing that we've seen is not just engineers and physicians get involved, but also a greater level of importance or awareness that's being given to, you know, understanding human-computer interaction. We've seen this in other fields where safety plays a big role that, you know, in aviation, we've done a ton of research that's focused on how do we make it easier to alert the pilot about, you know, potential dangers or potential safety hazards. And we've, we've done so much in that area, but not adopted that into healthcare. So there's greater awareness now about, you know, designing these systems better, really considering the interfaces, considering the display of these alerts so that providers can look at them and, uh, you know, they can be more intuitive to the provider's workflow. We have about five minutes left in our program. What are some things we didn't talk about that you think are important that we should discuss? I think, Brian, it's, it's, it's an apt topic for the day. You know, we've recently seen an article in the Washington Post that highlights this issue. So there's a lot of awareness. I think what we haven't touched on is, you know, what can patients do? Because we always talk about, you know, physicians using these systems, physicians being kind of, you know, not being able to reach their patient care goals. But I feel like, you know, if patients were to get more involved in their care, if they were to take greater responsibility, if they were to be aware of their medications, you know, they could really play a significant role in helping us design better systems. We need more patients to be involved in that process. One of the things that we talk about a lot, in, in at least in our practice as we're moving along, is the patient portal, getting right. patients involved. Do you see the patient portal evolving and being able to help people deal and understand with the medications they're given and, and use that as a tool as well? Absolutely. But I hope that, you know, regulation will guide us to a scenario where it becomes easier for these systems to exchange information with one another. I mean, we've, we've talked about creating health information networks, but a lot of the regional health information networks have failed. 
you know, either they don't have the right business models or there's just not the financial incentive to share. So a lot of regulation needs to be put in place in order to make this financially viable for this information to be shared so that the patient is at the center of this, not the vendor or the software that you're using. And again, we as physicians, you know, we use the tools we're given to us and sometimes they're not necessarily the best tools in the world. Sometimes they're, they are the best. And as you said, it's those interfaces sometimes that aren't necessarily built the way they should be that cause confusion and frustration. And sometimes it, that can actually lead to problems with the patient care because the information may, may not get to the right spot. Absolutely. We conducted a study where we evaluated 14 international EHRs, so both used in this country as well as developed internationally, and we found that no EHR, whether it was vendor-provided or, you know, developed in-house, could cross the 70% mark. And we were looking for very basic design considerations of, you know, things that have been known in the human factors world, how a particular alert is displayed, what color is used, you know, the visual cues, and nobody scored more than 70%. So that kind of points to the dismal state and maybe in a more optimistic way, all the future research that needs to go into this to make, you know, these EHRs perform better. Well, Dr. Shoba Fansakar, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on Primary Care today on ReachMD. It was a pleasure having you with us. Uh, It was a lot of fun. We talked about a lot of critical issues, and I want to thank you again for being there. Likewise, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough reminding you that you now are part of the knowledge.